Welcome to the fourth season of Better News, a series of special podcasts It's All Journalism is producing in partnership with the American Press Institute. I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Better News offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. The effort is fueled by API and the Knight Lenfest Local News Transformation Fund. The goal of this podcast series is to highlight some of the useful research API has published as part of its Better News initiative. Today, I'm joined by the Sentinel's Chief Operating Officer, Terry Williams. He participated in Table Stakes and wrote a report for Better News about how a pound of coffee helped the Keen Sentinel reduce digital subscriber churn. Terry, welcome to Better News. Thank you. Okay. So I, I always like uh, starting off, you know, finding out a little bit about the people I'm talking to. You know, tell me about your career path. How did you end up at the Keen Sentinel? Well, Mike, I started out as a reporter at a small daily on the seacoast of New Hampshire. I moved along to a paper in Lowell, Massachusetts before landing at the Telegraph of Nashua, New Hampshire. I was the managing editor there for for a time, and then eventually I became publisher and president of that company. In 2013, the paper was sold, and I took a job here in Keene as president and COO. Okay. I did say that the... um... The Sentinel's been around since 1799. What role does the paper you know, play in that, that community? Well, we're kind of a traditional daily paper. Remarkably, we've covered news from every presidential administration other than Washington's. We're among the five oldest dailies in the country, and we'll be celebrating our 225th birthday in March of 2024. You know, so like, you know, many community dailies and weeklies, we've been here to chronicle the comings and goings of this region, as you mentioned, in southwest New Hampshire. We serve our, you know, our readers with with traditional news and information, but we also spend a fair amount of time focusing on achievement through a variety of events that we do. And it's all kind of bundled into this approach of being a good community citizen. Okay. It's great that you have that long tradition and you're still able to have that role in the community. And obviously, I think identifying a sustainable revenue stream is one of the things that you you need to do to maintain that consistency of coverage in New Hampshire. So tell me about, you know, the decision to prioritize digital subscriptions as your, your number one focus for revenue. As you mentioned earlier, we had the, the good fortune of going through the table stakes program Ours was put on by Pointer Institute in 2019 and 20. This was a real game changer for us and led to kind of a culture that really focuses intensely on the reader, making sure that we come up with ways to hold on to those readers and building value in our news operations so that our subscribers you know, can, can see the worth of their investing in us. So we started working hard at promoting digital subscriptions and digital subscriptions that also included our weekend paper and have spent a a good amount of time pushing those two offers or those two options to readers. The results have been been rather dramatic. Again, we're we're a small news operation here, about 55 employees. But in 2019, our total revenue from digital subscriptions was just 45,000. In 2021, that had increased to $165,000. And our budget for this year has us coming in at 258000 all on digital subscriptions. We do seem to be off to a good start. Our January, January digital subscription revenue was about sixteen grand, which was 1000 over budget. So hopefully we are going to be able to continue that growth this year. 
overall subscriber revenue for us, which of course includes our print products, was 1.4 million in 2019, which is when we started Table Stakes. It grew to a million eight last year, and we've projected revenue of a little over 2 million this year. So I can't say enough about how Table Stakes has kind of driven our thinking about how important it is to grow reader revenue and to figure out ways to sustain that. So tell me, you said that you, you're still getting revenue from your, your print product. I assume that's in display ads and perhaps classified. What was sustaining the, the website before that? Was that just sort of an add-on to the, you know, your daily newspaper subscription? Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. We looked at the, our website more or less as, as you know, not supplemental necessar- necessarily to our print product, but it wasn't what we were leading with. And as we've learned through table stakes and other training that we've had, having a strong digital presence is really critical. You know, we've just had to, you know, recognize the fact that digital revenue, digital subscriptions is in our future. And we have to figure out ways to continue to improve what we do online. We have to figure out ways of how to expand our reach and our offers. And we have to understand that there will continue to be a transition from print subscriptions to digital over time. What is your your total subscriber um, count? Yeah, so in 2021, we were a little over 6,000 overall subscribers. About two thirds of those were print and about a third were digital. And that was down a bit from the year previous. Overall, it was down about 112 overall subscribers. We lost a little over 500 print subscribers over that time, but we grew our digital by a little over 400. So you're seeing this transition occur here where perhaps the pricing for digital is more attractive for people, or the, the ease of access is better. But there are a number of factors driving why digital subscriptions are climbing and print subscribers are declining. What are some of those factors? Well, cost. You know, it's a lot more expensive to subscribe to a print product. So that's probably the the number one reason that that we hear about. On the flip side, on, on the reasons to subscribe for digital, it's access. It's the ability to get to the news whenever you need to from wherever you are. So those two factors are kind of working to you know, increase our digital and decrease our print. At some point in the next couple of years, we're gonna have a crossover event where we have more digital than uh, print. And uh, hopefully over that period of time, our retention rates for digital will be very strong and the efficiency by which you can deliver digital news, the, the lower costs associated with that, will continue to improve our profit margins on subscriptions. Well, of course, creating a, a sustaining, you know, revenue stream is, is something that, you know, is essential, obviously, to digital newsrooms. When you made the switch, was there any change to the editorial approach, you know, how you cover the community? What type of content you published on online as opposed to maybe only in print? Yes, there has been changes. I think we think about our news now more digital first than we have in the past. We produce a newsletter that includes, you know, kind of the highlights of our coverage each day. We've looked into what are the optimum times to publish that newsletter. We also post news much earlier in the day than we used to. We used to wait till the print product came out before we posted news. Now we post, I think, five or six times a day. 
So yes, your point about kind of adjusting to the realities of readership has forced us to be a lot more forward thinking in terms of when we get information to people and in the ways we we do that. And, and of course, that those are part of the principles of table stakes, you know, delivering news when people want it, on the devices that they want it, where they want it, all of that. That requires a rethinking of kind of the, the flow of news. Let's talk about the, the problem that you wrote about for API, for the Better News Initiative. It had to do with your the churn that was occurring. And by churn, we mean like the the loss of people who who are subscribers. What was the situation like that sort of made you decide that we need to address this somehow? Yeah. So every news news operation, every newspaper deals with this nagging problem of churning out, you know, subscribers. The whole concept of you got to pour more people in the top of the bucket because you got holes in the bottom of the bucket. And we weren't making a lot of headway there. Our churn rates were you know, they're not horrible. They're probably within the industry standard, but they're still troubling when you work so hard to get subscribers and then for some reason you can't retain them. So we know there are some drivers to that. When you discount the price of a subscription, when it goes to full price, that sticker shock can cause subscribers to drop off. We were sensitive to certain factors that contribute to churn. So we, we set about trying to figure out a program by which we could start people at a subscription rate, you know, a starting rate that was closer to full price so that the increase to full price would cause less of them to stop their subscription. And was that the, the strategy you developed through Table Stakes program? Yes. One of the things about Table Stakes that was very important to us was the it kind of un unlocked this creativity about when you start to focus on reader revenue when you start to focus intensely on the subscriber it produces interesting ideas on one how to attract a subscriber and how to retain them and so out of that thinking came this concept of you know well let's not discount it as heavily as we might typically, let's bundle it with a locally produced product. And let's see if that has any favorable impact on retention. You know, so it's a subscription with a gift, if you will. And let's measure how that works out over the course of the year. And let's vary the gift, if you will, to see what might work better than something else. What companies did you, you know, local companies that did you identify as people to to work with in this plan? So we started out, we, we called this program the Local Business Boost Program, and we started out with a local coffee roaster who is a very popular establishment. They produce their own coffees in a variety of blends, and we've had a long relationship with these folks. And so we approached them and said, you know, would you be willing to sell us a pound of coffee at a discount so that we can bundle it with a subscription offer. And her reaction was absolutely. And so, you know, I think a typical pound of coffee that she produces costs 16 bucks. We were able to get them for $8. We bought 20 bags initially thinking that would be what we would sell. And the way we envisioned it was you sign up for a digital subscription for $8 every four weeks, and we will give you this free pound of coffee. And in fact, we'll deliver it to you. We had a, an arrangement with a local delivery company to provide kind of this white glove delivery service. 
And so we launched it. We didn't know what would happen. And we blew through the 20 bags right away. We had to reorder twice. And we did close to 60 orders off that initial offer. And the merchant loved it because of the promotion that we did, because we ran a, a lot of digital and print promotion about this program. And, and her company got a lot of publicity as a result of it. We started to see orders at levels that we had not anticipated. And so we thought we had something good to work with. You mentioned that you, there were other products besides coffee that you, you tried. What, what were some of those? And which were more successful? Sure. We tried all sorts of stuff. So we did pounds of candy. We did soaps. We did oil and vinegar. We did spirits tasting. We've just completed a program um, in which we provided a bottle of wine produced by a local winery. I think we're up to 10 offers so far. The offers that include alcohol, <laughs> ironically, seem to be doing very well. This local winery that provided us a bottle of wine, a wine glass, and a corkscrew, I think we've so we sold 75 orders for that. The spirits tasting that we worked out with a local distillery produced, I think, close to 70 orders. So those types of orders seem to do a little bit better. The soap arrangement that we did did not do well. I think we did less than 30 orders. You know, you have to experiment a little bit. Some things are going to work, some things are not. We are about to launch a promotion with a maple syrup producer, which we think will do quite well. So it's, you know, a lot of trial and error, but some of these offers did remarkably well. I find it fascinating that you're actually delivering items to people. Yeah. Because my, my thought would be, you know, I'll go to the, you know, go to the coffee roasters. Hey, give me a, you know, $15 gift card for, you know, a free pound of coffee. Do that. But going that extra step, you know, what impact do you think that had on your readership? It had a significant impact because the two folks that we work this out with take a lot of pride in the quality of delivery. We're not their only customer. They deliver other products locally. But they make sure that the products are, are well packaged, appropriately labeled, and come with a with a thank you from us. And that's worked out great. And I think it's an integral part of it. It's a lot more customer facing than a lot of things. And the fact is, is that the new subscriber doesn't have to do anything. We show up with the product and uh, they appreciate it. We get feedback, believe it or not, from these customers who have things to say about the Sentinel, not always favorable, but that's helpful. But by and large, what we get is a sense of appreciation from these new subscribers in the product that they're receiving and, and the delivery that, it, that brought it to them. It's almost like somebody bringing a gift to your door, even though technically you, you paid for it and you ordered it. Yeah. So you're creating that personal experience and connection with you and your company. So how successful did this prove to be regarding the churn problem? Well, we're measuring it all the time. Ironically, the coffee promotion, the initial one, we just took a measurement of churn on that one. And our retention rate on that is, is about 60%, which is lower than what we hoped. So that has been a bit disappointing. The other retention rates so far, and some of them are fresh. And so the, the retention rates aren't really useful yet until at least we get past the discount period. But we're running overall and looking at those that have been in place for a couple of months, we're running uh, retention rates of over 80% overall. So that's, that's good. That's strong. We look at the revenue from this. We've sold 417 orders through this program to this point. We've retained somewhere around 350 
the revenue from it so far, overall revenue is a little bit more than $20,000. And then when you back out what we had to pay for the products and for the delivery, our profit is about 13,000. So it's been a profitable program. The average cost per order, you know, not including the discount is about 16 bucks. The reason that's a little on the high side is that we've done a couple of orders that involve alcohol and they typically are more expensive than for instance, doing a pound of coffee. And then we've been recently able to kind of calculate our customer lifetime value for all of our operation. And when we lay that out over three years for the 400 or so orders that we've just done in this program, that translates to to more than $60,000 over three years. So this is a valuable program for us. As long as we continually have products in the pipeline, I think we'll continue to generate, I don't know, 40 to 70 orders, which for us is a good number. And It'll be interesting to see if we can do better on the retention side. I think we've missed an opportunity that we want to certainly take a look at is that point where the discount goes away after six months. Should we be talking to those customers right before that happens and maybe extending the discount or doing something else to keep them retained? We're learning a lot in this. One critical aspect of it is that in order for a subscriber to participate in this program, they have to go on recurring credit card. So the retention of people that are on easy pay or recurring credit cards are much higher than the typical subscriber. So we're hopeful. We think it's a good program. We think it's, it's got legs and will continue to deliver subscribers. What advice would you give to a company who would maybe want to try to adopt something like this for their newspaper? Yeah, sure. Well, it's a it involves a lot of different departments. So I would say that you'd certainly want your advertising sales department in place because they're the ones that can find the products. You clearly need your circulation and your customer service departments involved. Your digital digital media or your, your online folks have to be involved too. We use a graphic staff to come up with the creative advertising around that. And it's helpful to have kind of the executive leadership behind it too. And the newsroom too, the newsroom has been part of this program. So it really is an all hands approach. So if you've got folks that you can pull together to you know, work as a team and collaboratively around it, you can get it launched pretty quickly. It's, it's not complicated, but it's important to track it. It's important to keep track of how it's doing and particularly evaluate the, the finances of it because you, know, you, you don't want to overpay for the products. I think we, we spend a little bit money on on some of these orders that it would be good if we could save a little bit there, but, you know, we're still experimenting. So I would say get a lot of people involved, you know, kick the tires on it, try a lot of different things, but I think it's very scalable. You know, the program that you described is really, you know, I think ingenious, you know, as I said before, you're giving your, your readers a gift, you're, you're building that retention rate, you're addressing the problem that you had. And at the same time, you're also, you know, establishing these relationships with local businesses, which is always a good thing. And so, you know, I appreciate you talking about this. I've been talking to Terry Williams, the Chief Operating Officer of the Keene Sentinel, about how the paper used a pound of coffee to reduce its digital subscriber churn. Thanks for being on Better News. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate the time. Thanks for listening to Better News, a co-production of the American Press Institute and It's All Journalism. 
API's Better News Initiative offers strategies and case studies to help transform newsrooms. You can find out more about the Better News Initiative and this podcast at betternews.org.